0: I've
1: conducted quite a few interviews in my life, but only a select few were as raw and personal as the one I shared with my friend and fellow journalist, Mr. Chris Cuomo. Chris opened up like no other guest has, sharing his regrets and the life lessons that followed his forced departure from CNN. But he also discusses how he found a new lease on life. And as the new host of the primetime show Cuomo on News Nation, he aims to bring back objective reporting and a sense of normalcy to our news programs. And after the battles that were just waged with our midterm elections, you will get my take on why this country is in dire need of a third or even possibly a fourth political party to help us all get out of this mess. Let's take a listen to the one and only Chris Cuomo.
0: This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who
1: gonna stop me I'm excited to talk to my next guest for this show. He hails from a political dynasty. His father, Mario Cuomo, who my parents loved, by the way, served as the 52nd governor in the great state of New York. His brother, Andrew Cuomo, served as New York's 56th governor until he resigned last year. This is an Emmy Award winning journalist, former CNN co host. His new primetime show, Cuomo, debuted October 3rd on News Nation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome veteran journalist, Chris Cuomo. Chris, how are you, buddy? How's everything, man?
2: I feel very lucky to be sitting across from you in what I know is going to be a successful new endeavor for you. Well, thank you so much. I
1: appreciate that. And I feel the same way about you as well. First things first, how are you doing? I think that's the first question that's appropriate considering all that you've been through over the last nine, eight eight to
2: nine months or so. How are you doing? I'm better. Kids are good. Wife's good. Family's good. Uh, live and learn, live and learn, live and learn. I'm ready to go. Put into perspective what these months have been like for you, because when you say
1: you're doing better, obviously you had some rough times. Talk to me about what your mindset was like and what you've been going through over the last eight to nine months. You
2: know, at first, I tried to remember that I've seen real struggle, real crisis, real pain. And to keep it relative So, you know, losing your job, so what, relatively? You know, getting beat up in the press, so what, relatively? Kids were healthy. But then what happens is, at the end of the day, Stephen, all pain is personal, you know? So you can say, sure, a lot of people have had it so much worse, but it doesn't mean that you can just ignore uh, your own situation. So eventually, I had to put my arms around it. I had to talk. Uh, to my therapist about it, you know, uh, a significant increase in self-care, which I had never really done before. Uh, But now I'm all about Mm. it. Let myself be disappointed, let myself be upset at myself, at others, whatever, and work my way through it to figure out what the lessons were. Um, Because I am not... A guy who leans on too much for understanding. I'm not a guy who takes solace in fate or destiny or even luck. I think what happens is what you make happen or what somebody else makes happen to you. I don't believe everything happens for a reason, but I do believe this. Um, The smart man or woman finds a reason for everything that happens, sees an opportunity even in things that suck. And it was a lot of learning. You know, my kids went through some stuff because of this. My wife, uh, my Mm. siblings, my mom. And it was a lot of guilt. But then I decided, you know, I got to do something with it. I I have to make myself better through this. I have to create better opportunities. I have to do what I do differently uh, and just make some kind of purpose to the pain, you know. And that's how I decided to move forward.
1: Let me give you my perspective. If I was a political pundit, which I'm not, Uh, If I was a political pundit, here's how I would have interpreted the story that involved Chris Cuomo. You were working at CNN. Your brother was the governor. You obviously they let you go. They felt that um, you know just you had you had trouble. You mixed your roles as brother and broadcaster um, in terms of trying to help him along. My position has been this: Why not just step out of the role and say, "This is my brother. He claims he's innocent. I believe him. I love him. He's family." And I'm going to step away to go and help him. To me, it's that simple. And if that had happened, none of this would have ever happened to you. Do you view it the way that I just interpreted it?
2: You have the benefit of hindsight. Um, Yeah. One caveat, and then I'll agree with you. Sure. I don't know that had I taken a leave to help my brother, that the same people that wound up calling for my head wouldn't have said he can't come back. Um, that he crossed the line and now he's, he did all these things for his brother, which is what bothers me about this because it's just not true. What they say I did um, to help my brother is just not true. But another part of it for me, Stephen, that, that makes perfect sense if I had been asked to do that. You know, gotcha. my, my audience always seemed to understand that I'm not objective about my brother and I don't cover my brother. Every time I had him on during the pandemic, it was really about feel and family mm-hmm not facts. I wasn't there to grill him like I do everybody else. Um, But, you know, if I had been offered that opportunity, um, maybe that would have been a better way, but I don't know that they would have let me back in uh, once I was out for the same reasons that they wanted me out. Um, But all I know is if I had known at the time that this was some fatal flaw, what I was doing, I wouldn't have done it. Uh, I mean, I would have helped my family, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have put myself in the position. So obviously there must've been something going on that made me feel that that wasn't necessary. Uh, Mm. And that's what my situation was, is that, you know, the audience seemed to get it. My bosses seemed to get it. Everybody seemed to get it until they didn't. And, you know, how long am I going to live in my sense of satisfaction or dissatisfaction about how people handled it? Mm. Um, I was never an easy fit. I've never been an easy fit in the media. I'm really kind of one of one, you know, somebody who mm-hmm. grew up in politics the way I did and was around the media yeah. the way I was and, you know, who's covered the world in the last 25 years the way I have. You know, mm-hmm. it's I'm kind of a special case. Um and I get why people were upset. I don't think that many of my critics operated on full facts. But again, that's the way it goes. And eventually if you can't fix, you got to find a way forward. Um, and for a while, I wasn't going to come back and do this anymore.
1: What made you decide to come back?
2: Well, <clears throat> here's what happened. So I start the podcast, Chris Cuomo Project. Yep. And I'm like, all right, this is the new frontier. Everybody always told me I miss the halcyon. I miss the best days of TV news. I, I don't think that's true. But, but certainly digital and what you're doing here, this is, this is the new new. Um, Mm -hmm. so I wanted to get into that. I wanted to own something. Obviously I'm a little shy about having bosses after what happened, but then, you know, you just start to listen and people know me from TV and people miss me being in the mix. And if my point was my, my reason to be professionally, right? I mean, like you, my reason to be is my kids, my family. Right. Uh, my extended family. Yeah. That's the responsibility that matters to me first. Uh, that It always has. And I don't even see that as surprising. I mean, where I was grew up, you know, the people in my life, everybody's like that. But mm-hmm. my why in terms of why I do what I do is to try to help people um, hold power accountable and make better choices for themselves and understand mm-hmm. uh, when a game is being played on them, when they're being played for suckers. That's what I do. And okay. there's a need for that. There's an expectation that I would be helping if that's what I'm about. So I decided I had to come back. But you know what? That's not so easy because when you get your ass kicked, you know, the idea that you just want to get up, brush yourself off and get right back in there. You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe most people are just tougher than I am, but it's definitely something that I had to think about.
1: Well, I don't think you got your ass kicked, to be quite honest with you. And I think you're absolutely right. You are missed. I consider you brilliant at what you do. You're a Yale graduate. You come from a great family. As far as I'm concerned, I I thought a lot of it was ridiculous and unfair. And I've, I've been on the record stating that even though I haven't been covering politics, I wish you had handled it a little bit differently in terms of what you had revealed to them. But then again, I don't know everything you do. And so when you say that The truth hasn't been told about you. There were a lot of lies being told before I move on from this portion of the interview. Could you be specific about what lies people told about you so my audience will
2: know what you what was lied on about you? I was never a mastermind of anything. If anything, I was an inconvenience to my brother's team um, because I didn't see things the way they did. Um, And not for better or worse, just different perspectives. I never went after or helped anybody go after any of the women who made accusations I was constant and consistent in telling my brother and his people, you cannot go after the women who made the allegations. I get that that sounds unfair from a prosecutorial perspective, but this is politics. And on his team, the Democrats, they believe the accusers. So I felt he was in a box. I never manipulated any media coverage of him. And and that's easy. You don't have to believe me. Where are the journalists that I worked? (laughs) What are they? What are they protecting me? You know, right. come on. And if I'm wrong and I did do these things and the texts that came out from the attorney general prove it, why didn't the attorney general accuse me of the things that I was accused of by the media? She had sections in her report on going after accusers on media manipulation. I'm not mentioned in either section. So you don't have to believe me. But the attorney general of New York came to the same conclusion. Um, now I get that it was uncomfortable. I never lied. I never hid anything. I never had anything to hide. I get that just on the face of it, as you say, it looks dirty. I get it. And often conflict and ethics is about the smell test. If someone had said to me, this smells bad, you got to go, then I would have. If somebody told me, hey, we got new ownership, Stephen, they don't like you. They don't like your brother. They don't like your face. Whatever it is, they don't like it. I would have gone. I mean, you'd have to know me better to understand that, but it's not like, I don't want to be where I'm not wanted. Uh I don't want to be where I'm not needed. And I'm not a litigious person. And Uh I'm not a sore sport. I get it. I grew up in this business. I understand Uh how things go sideways and that people act out of Uh self-interest. But that's the only thing that this idea that, oh, he was doing all these things that he never told anybody, that's not true. And there'll be nobody who was involved with it who can show anything that proves, ah, oh, look at this. He, he never told us about this. It's just not true. It's just not true. I can tell
1: you this. I can tell you this, Chris, everybody that I've run across uh, throughout media and beyond have all said the same thing. Could he have handled it differently? Sure. But all of us would have wanted to help our brother and we probably would have. And I think that's how it looks at it. And I asked this question, did your brother try to discourage you from being helpful Because he is your big brother and the possibility is there that he might have said, Chris, you don't need to do anything. You don't need to involve yourself with this. You got your own life. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Sometimes big brothers do that. Would your brother,
2: did your brother ever take that position in any way? It wouldn't make sense. My brother and I do everything together. You know, I mean, I didn't help him be governor. He's way smarter than I am. And he does that. And I don't really have a great feel for politics or policy. Um, He doesn't need me that way. But mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. It's just I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know how to explain it simply, but it's just not how we are. Um, gotcha. Look, I mean, I'm starting a new show. I'm mm-hmm. not feeling great. He knows I'm doing something uh, on my car today because I'm too stupid to just rest. And he just <laughs> shows up in my house. Right. It's two and a half hour drive for him. I didn't ask him mm-hmm. to come. Right. Um, he didn't even tell me he was coming because I would have mm-hmm. said don't come. But that's what we do. Family, mm-hmm. trouble. Go, Uh, you know, in good times, we can be at each other's throats as much as any family, Mm. you know, maybe more. I don't know. But it's it's not even a question. If I had a problem, I know he'd be there. I wouldn't even ask Mm. him. And he's never asked me either. So I look, I think the benefit of hindsight is a big deal in these analyses. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But, you know, by the time we had a reason to believe that this was going to go sideways for me, it already was. So here's what I take stock in. I know what I did and what I didn't do. And that's enough for me. And I know what I'm about and what I'm not about. Mm -hmm. And that's enough for me. And this was really easy on one level for me to adjust to because here's where my head wound up I did not do what uh, was suggested, but I am flawed. I have made mistakes. I have done bad things in my life. I've done things I want to do differently. I've been selfish. There's a whole list Mm -hmm. of what you could call sins or transgressions or wrongs that I am nobody not to suffer. I am nobody to feel that I don't deserve this. That's BS to me. And Mm -hmm. even though it wasn't right here, I'm nobody not to be put in a bad position. I've had a very, very blessed life. Uh, I have a lot of opportunity. I have a lot of people around me who care about me, and there would never be a second of me feeling sorry for myself. There's no basis for it. There's no value to it. Uh, And it's not being who I want to be.
1: Well, let me give you a nugget of news just in case you haven't accepted this. You could talk about yourself being flawed all you want to, and that's all of us. But there's millions of people that will point out that Chris Cuomo did a hell of a lot of good. Uh, I know I'm one of those people who feels that you've done a hell of a lot of good. So I'm very, very happy to be talking to you right now. Before I move on to some politics and to your show, my last question would be this. You talked about therapy. Is that something that you have done for years or is it something that you decided to do after all of this unfolded and you saw the effect that it was having not just on you, but as you talked about your family, your wife, your children, your mother, etc.? When did that come
2: about? Both. I have a very good uh, aspect to me. Um, The flip side of being a little bit of a self-loather and very self-critical is I'm open to change Mm. at all times. I'm Mm. always willing to change. My Mm. wife found the therapist Mm. many years ago. We've been married 20 plus years. There was some phase where like a bunch of the couples around us started to shit the bed. And she said, (laughs) these people, they get along better than we did. So she found the therapist. We start going to couples therapy. I'm getting, I, you know, I'm getting beaten up like Tyson's first 11 fights. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> in there. I'm taking it, it, take
0: it, take it. I
2: can't. <laughs> and after like a few of the episodes, right, right. I, I kept coming out of there. I'd be like dizzy. I'd be like, whew. And she'd be like, that was great. I can't wait till next week. I'd be like, is there a <laughs> um, home with you? So the therapist said, Christina doesn't have to come anymore. I was like, but I thought this oh. was couples therapy. And the therapist said, yeah, I know but you're the one I need to see. So <laughs> oh my God. that was it. And then he became my therapist. And I think that the relationship I have with this man is one of the most important ones in my life. And he's developed into a life coach. So what happened when I started dealing with this is first I hid from him, which is kind of um, par for the course. When I'm going through something hard, I'll kind of close up. And he reached out and he was like, this is not the time for you to hide. It's the time for you to expand. And I started seeing him more. Uh, I started trying medication to deal with this, uh, you know, this kind of hole that I was in emotionally where I just couldn't not see doom, not see another bad thing, not see something else, you know, not be afraid. Now you're talking
1: the last few months or just, or you're talking about this this is before everything happened. No, I was seeing
2: him before. For you yeah, but you take a medication. It changed right. when I got shit canned because got I it. really closed in because you know I'd never. I, I've seen a lot of bad things and I've lived through a lot of hard things, mm-hmm. but I ne- I wasn't ready for this and mostly because I didn't see it coming and that was scary to me because I've always prized my perspective. You mm-hmm. know that usually I see things coming, so I started meeting with him more. I was open to him when he said, "Look." you are not getting yourself out of this hole. Emotionally, this is too much. You need something to help take the edge off and help you process. And I was like, I don't need any medicine. And I'm not not crazy. And he was like, you'll take anything that anybody ever offers you for anything. Allergies, muscle, fat, weight loss, energy. I'll take anything. And it is true, I'll try anything. And he was like, but you won't take this. Right. I was like, well, I mean, I just don't. He's like, that's your weakness. That's stigma. Don't uh-huh. be like that. You're better than that. Um, so I tried it. And what's so, happened? <clears throat> I'll tell you what. So this isn't like, you know, taking vitamin C. Right. You, you have to let it titrate in your system. And my instinct early on was, well, if I'm in, I want all of it. Give me the I want right. the most. Give me the most. I'll right. take the most. Yeah, and he's exactly. like, that's not how it works. We got to start small and see. I was like, no, if it's going to be good, more is better. Let's go. Let's go. And and he's like, no, no. And then it turned out that I'm very chemically sensitive. Mm. So when we were at a pediatric dose, I started to feel like these clouds were parting. Mm. You know, Churchill called his depression the black dog. And you'll see commercials where people... I have like a blue blob following them around or some people talk about the gray. Um, And it's just like this thing that's around you that catches your breath. And that is kind of a veil over everything you see. Mm. And it really helped that veil be um, apparent to me. Mm -hmm. And I started to feel different and differently. And I was able to, to understand what my doctor was talking to me about. And then I started to hear from the people in my life about the the way I had been processing things and the things I had been saying. And, you know, nothing, again, I'm, I don't believe in luck, but I'm a very fortunate person. It's not like I wanted to hurt myself or hurt anybody else or anything like that. But I wasn't showing any optimism. I wasn't, I wasn't showing any ambition. I wasn't showing any drive. I was, everything was negative. Everything was going to be bad. You know, Um, I kept like little things like my son said, you know, you keep handing me things when you want to open them because you say, I'm going to spill this. You take this, Mm. open this, I'm going to spill this. And the medicine and the therapy and the thinking about it and the walking and the meditation while I'm walking of trying to process really helped, Stephen, and really put me in a different mindset where now I... I've always, I am now the way I've always thought I was before this happened, Mm -hmm. which is whatever happens, happens. I only control certain things. And when it happens, then I'll deal with it. But I can't get ahead of where I am right now. And I really think the medication helped with that. And um, after a while, it started to do a little bit uh, different things with my sleep. So we changed it. We reduced it, even though it was already at a fairly low dose. But again, I'm pretty chemically sensitive. I, I, right. I responded and I feel good about it now. And, you know, people will say to me, well, then why don't you stop taking it? I said, cause I, I feel good. I, you know, I don't want to go off it. And maybe, maybe I'll start to feel differently. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, but you know, like even people I care about, sophisticated people say to me yeah. like they'll hear this podcast because we have a, I have a lot of my people are your fans. Um, they'll say, Why'd you tell them that, man? People are gonna think there's something wrong with you. I said, There is something wrong with me. That's why I took the medicine because it yeah. it helped it. You know, I got congestion right now. I'm yeah. taking decongestants. Yeah. I'm gonna stop taking them when I'm not congested anymore.
1: Let, let me chime in. Let me chime in here. Go ahead. Because I wanna know based on You're what I'm throwing was- out my soul to
2: you, Stephen. And
1: I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'll do the same. I'll do the same. But, but let me let me say this, let me ask you this. Because we grew accustomed, even though you work different places, including ABC, I might add, before you ever got to CNN, we grew accustomed to seeing a certain Chris Cuomo. So based on what you're telling us now, the medication, the therapy, the impact that it has had on your life, how much better it's made you. Now that we've got the Chris Cuomo project, now that we've got News Nation, are we going to see the same Chris Cuomo we grew accustomed to seeing that millions of people watched every night? Or is there going to be an alteration, a modification somewhere?
2: I think it's an and. Um, there's absolutely no question that if you put somebody in front of me that is faking the funk in terms of their responsibility to the American people, right? it's, uh, it's going to get ugly early, as it always has been. Not with animus. I'm not an insulter. That's not what mm-hmm. I do. I'm not built for Twitter uh, right. or social media. I treat people with decency and I treat them with respect even if they don't treat me with respect it's when right. they go sideways on the audience uh mm-hmm. or the facts that they have a problem you can call me whatever you want that's called winning in my book you start right. insulting me you're losing the argument so i'm <laughs> i'm still that right. guy but what i had is the benefit of opportunity to be on the sidelines and what i will not do the same way is i'm not going to referee the game of left versus right i'm not going to spend the kind of time that i would have about um, tr- What Trump said about Mitch McConnell, mm-hmm. uh, what Trump said about the search in Mar-a-Lago, the latest right. on the uh, contradiction of the special master by the district court judge. I'm not going to do that play by play as much as I used to. What I'm going to say is <clears throat> here's what matters in that to the extent that anything matters beyond volume. Mm-hmm. And then they should be talking about this. They should be talking about that. That's what's going to be different about this show. And I'm going to have people on like you who can give us perspective on where we are and what matters as people beyond politics Right. that I didn't have time for at mm-hmm. CNN because there was so much intensity of focus and such a limited aperture. I want to open the aperture and I want to appeal to more people that aren't hyper-politically motivated. I want more regular people.
1: I'm so glad you said that because you see, I don't, When people say, Stephen A., you're venturing beyond sports. You're going to get into politics or whatever. I'm not Chris Cuomo. I interviewed Sean Hannity. I'm not him. I'm not guys who do this for a living. And what I will do is be that guy that's the layman that's coming in and saying, this is how it looks to me. This is how it makes sense to me. And the average Joe out there, explain to us. And I'm the kind of person that's going like this. I will literally say, could you please go watch Chris Cuomo on News Nation? Could you please go and listen to the Chris Cuomo Project? He knows more than me, damn it. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm some aficionado. This is not sports. I'm, I don't know this. This is just how it looks to me.
0: This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline.
2: Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high?
0: Who gonna stop me high?
1: What I wanted to get to you about the, third, the issue of a third-party system, because I was watching you with Bill Maher. Who, by the way, I recently spoke to and you'll hear me on his podcast as well. And he he's a fascinating individual and I loved you two talking to one another. And when you came out and you gave him the interview, I thought that was highly appropriate because he's a guy that knows you and gets you and what have you. And I just loved you being on his show. But you talked about yourself being a free agent as opposed to an independent. You didn't want to use that word. You didn't like the word. I have called myself an independent for years. I'm neither a registered Democrat nor a Republican. And I said, "Damn it, Chris Cuomo just told me I'm uh, independent. Ain't the way to go either. What the hell? I, now I need education. What's the difference with the free agent and the independent?"
2: Here's my point. I'm not really talking about me as much as I'm talking about you and um, the the people who are watching news coverage. Independent is obviously the fastest growing percentage of the electorate because the two party system has failed us and people are tired of the toxicity and we have magnified um, angry minorities and people like me made a mistake of making social media a proxy for Vox Populi, the voice of the people. And it isn't. Twitter is not reality. And that's a mistake. That's a mistake. Uh, And people are hooked on it now. And they see it as this is the vibe. This is what I'm supposed to monitor. And it's a mistake. Uh, and we have to get back to our communities and off of social media. You're better off mm-hmm. talking to people where you go get your coffee in the morning than you are going on social media to figure out right. how to feel. Now, independent is fine because of the rejection of the two-party system. I don't like the suggestion of an independent being out for themselves. I, forget about everybody else. We have to be interdependent, interconnected. That's what makes America work. We don't share enough things in common if we don't Mm -hmm. care about each other intrinsically on the basis of what we're trying to solve here and what we're trying to do as an experiment. So I say a free agent, meaning no team, no tribe, open mind, open heart, willing to listen to what you disagree with. That's what will create change and has always created change in this country. What got us from Plessy v. Ferguson to Brown versus the Board of Education, separate but equal to integration in schools, was not simply the Supreme Court. It was that in the intervening years, the culture developed where regular people who were blessed with being able to grow up around diversity and learned to understand and love and be loved by people who don't look like them, who don't pray like them, uh, who don't practice culture like them, where it became absurd to us here. It wasn't as simple as the law changing. Culture has to change. Right now, we're in the same place. Culture has to change, and the regular people change culture, not the fringes. And the good news is, even though we've exaggerated the impact of the fringe and it's killing us politically, more and more people are pulling away from it. That's why I'm going to News Nation, by the way. Mm -hmm. I had opportunities to do other things. I had opportunities to just stay on my own. One, a little bit of it was personal. That I'm not going back to a place that I think um didn't treat me fairly during this process. But that's like, you know, that's juvenile bullshit. But that, you know, I'm but that's me. I'm petty. I'm okay. weak. You know, so that's there. I also I to, wouldn't say weak. I mean it could be a little petty, but sometimes it's necessary. It's yeah, necessary, Chris. I'm just saying, look, now every time I'm not the way I would tell you to be if you were right. asking me for advice. Fair. I got it you. It pisses me off. But if I'm I'm nothing if not consistent when it comes to mistakes, I make the same mistakes with such frequency that it is staggering to me Mm. how I do it. I remember when I was a ball player, I had um, the same inclination. Every time I would catch, when I played rugby, every time I would catch a punt, I would always step right and go left automatically. And I would watch it and I'd be like, why do I do that? I have to mix it up. And then I wouldn't do it. You know, sometimes it's hard to change certain things about you. So I was already number one at a big cable outlet. Uh, CNN, which, by the way, I'll never be a hater of. I think it's the best organization in the world. I think they have great horses and great people and a great mission. I'll see how they change now, but I got no hate for them. I don't like what happened with me, but I'll never be a hater of CNN. I think internationally, uh, worldwide, nobody comes close, in my opinion. You are going through something with them right now, legally, right? Well, look, the contract says you got to arbitrate. Gotcha. It is not acceptable to me to have it out there that I got shit canned because I lied to them. Um, And it matters enough to me to hemorrhage cash, uh, you know, litigating it against a place where the money is irrelevant to them. But I'm going to arbitrate it. I'm going to let the arbitration stand as what should be believed and what shouldn't be believed. And I need that personally. I need that. I don't need it to talk to everybody else. I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm not vengeful. Um, I'm not bitter. I'm none of that. But I need that. So I'm going to deal with that privately. I'm not talking any shit about anybody there because I don't feel like that. Understood. I don't like what happened, but it's not animus. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to see people hurt. I don't want to, I don't have any schadenfreude. I don't want to see CNN go down. I don't like when people suggest that to me. It doesn't make me feel good.
0: There right. are
2: families there that I care about. And yeah. there's a job that matters that they do very well. And yeah. that's the truth. Now, yeah. I was number one on CNN. You so... What is Where is the growth? What is the new? What I like about News Nation is it's kind of like the podcast world in that. Is it? Yeah, because you're building your own audience. There is no built-in audience there. It's a startup. So there's no groupthink that I have to accommodate. It's not like I'm coming into a bunch of Jets fans, you know, where I have to pretend that getting this quarterback back today is somehow going to change things when he's taking his larger dose of suck as any of their mm-hmm. quarterbacks has. You know, I don't have to deal with the group thing. So okay. I'm organically trying to build an audience. Like, people are going to be surprised by my guests. They're going to be surprised when you come on. They're going to be like, who did Stephen A. Smith kill? You know, why is Stephen A. Smith on? What did he do wrong? You know, because they'll figure, like, you know, that, that's who I'm always talking to. You know, when he decided to run for office, you know, right. uh, and some of them, they'll be like, hey, is that Greg Anthony? He running for Congress? Um, so I'm open to, Changing the aperture for people to see that this is just about having conversations about what is holding us back. This is about having conversations about what matters. Like one of the things I want to take on, because once you've played the game as long as I have, Stephen, the game becomes very apparent. So, green energy, okay? Hurricane Ian happens. People say climate change. The right attacks him. Why are you talk about climate change when it's a hurricane? Hurricanes have always happened. You shouldn't even be having this conversation now. Now that I reject in a moment of crisis is the time to talk about why the crisis happened. When you have a school shooting, it's the time to talk about why these things happen. When you have police uh, abuse of um, violence, that's the time to talk about it. There's no waiting Mm -hmm. period. That's bullshit. Uh, That's about playing to advantage. However, we talk about solar. We talk about wind Uh, And we talk about green, not green. Nobody talks about nuclear energy because you and I were raised to think that nuclear energy is the same thing as nuclear bombs. And it's like the Simpsons and everybody dies every time you use it. One, we still use it. It's 70% of our power. Two, the rest of the world is relying on it more and more. So it made Mm. me think when I had this time on my hands where I didn't have the exigency, the pressure of doing a show every day or two shows because I did radio also. Yeah. Um, I was like, wait a minute. What did I have wrong about this? Because why would these people be relying on a technology that kills you? It didn't make sense. So I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about things that we don't talk about because they don't fit in the game. That's where the multi-parties come from. I got it. I don't want a third party. I want a third, fourth, and fifth. I don't want just a third party.
1: But you and I both are in media. We're We're both in media. And here's where my concern is. Okay, it's a startup. If anybody's got a chance to be successful, it was, it's Chris Cuomo. You're number one on CNN. We watched you religiously. Here's my issue. The world saw a CNN prior to your arrival that tried to be neutral. We learned that, okay, Fox News, Roger Ailes, these guys come along they bust onto the scene. They're generating ratings. Bill O'Reilly was there. He was number one show for years, et cetera, et cetera. Sean Hannity, he's in that seat now. Not at the same time slot, of course, but I'm just talking about in terms of cachet. You, CNN decides we're going to compete with that. And obviously they had you. They had Don Lemon. Success touched CNN in ways that we had not seen that before. I'm wondering now, when you talk about just telling it like it is, being fair, not necessarily taking sides. The audience seems to want to gravitate towards one particular side or the other, as opposed to the truth that Chris Cuomo might drop on them. You're not concerned about that at all.
2: I'm, uh, I'm counting on it because there's a reason that good morning America has more viewers than all three cable morning shows combined. And it's because most people, are not waking up thinking left, right. They're thinking reasonable. What can I learn about my kids? What can I learn about my passions? What's going on with entertainment? What's going on with my money? They don't live and breathe politics the way we do on cable TV. And those are the people I wanna talk to. I wanna talk to people who care, but they're not obsessed with it the way that you and I are with sports. Our politics were never supposed to be like our sports affinities. Where you have a team regardless of the rationale? You know, where you like them no matter what? And you'll say they're good, even though you know they stink. And you'll say this is going to be the year for the Knicks when I know that's not true. That's not what our politics are supposed to be. And that's what it's become. So I'm betting on that. And I know it's not CNN. But here's something else I learned. I don't need to be the biggest. I don't need to be the best. I just need to do what I think matters and help the way I can. And if I have a smaller audience, which I'm sure I will, but it's a different audience, and it's people who aren't used to watching cable news, and they're watching it for not left-right, but reasonable, that's my sweet spot. Now, look, that's why I got in trouble at CNN with some of the people at CNN and with other cable people. They wanted to push me in as a lefty, but one, I worked at Fox News for Roger Ailes, and anybody who knows me, there's a big difference between me chasing uh, then Donald Trump, then President Trump for lying and attacking institutions for gratuitous benefit to himself and mm-hmm. me being a lefty. Right. Um, I, you know, I vote for Democrats when there's one condition met. The name's Cuomo. Your name's Cuomo? I'll vote for you. And otherwise, the only reason I vote is because my wife forces me to go with her because I don't want to deal with all the questions. When I go there, yeah. people watching me trying to see how I figure out, fill out my ballot, follow me around saying shit, you know, I'm in a different position. Um, it, it's I know what's true and what isn't true. And I know mm-hmm. what the opportunity is and where I can help. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be the oracle of the left. I'm not going to be uh, some convert of now I'm a conservative because I'm mad at the media and the media is lefty. That's all BS. I am good at understanding why things are being played the way they're being played. For instance, I could do it on anything, but for instance, you just had a vote to have more mental health access in schools, okay? Yeah, Some of it by teachers being trained to figure out when somebody's in distress and guide that person towards getting some some help. No Republicans voted for it. Why? Because they hate mental health. No, they talk about mental health all the time when there's a school shooting because it gets you away from the gun issue. Because they didn't get other things in the bill that they wanted. They wanted more money for uh, armed security, you know, training and that kind of stuff, making them harder targets. That's the game. That's right. You don't vote for something that you know is good Mm -hmm. because you didn't get everything that you wanted in it. Now, the left will do the same thing. That's why we haven't gotten any change on immigration. But I believe just because the game is played by both sides doesn't mean it's played the same way or to the same degree. The right has made choices in embracing Trump that they would have never made if they weren't in an existential fear that he can beat them. You. Um, you know, and all you have to do is just look at the before and after you look at Cruz before you look at Lindsey right. Graham before you look at Mitch you know, McConnell before and right. after they realized Trump could beat him right. and they just stopped saying all the things they used to say. So that's where I'm at. I see the game, Stephen, the way you do it when you're hearing about trade rumors. When you're listening to what uh, uh, is being reported about um, a a basketball player and what they say they want, you like say, hey, I know what this is really about because I know people around them. I've heard what this guy is, what this cat's talked about before. I know where this team's head is. This is not what it seems. This is what it is. That's your gift. I'm a poor man's version of that in politics. But you get off folks
1: for, like you said, you're going to hold them accountable and don't, cut, don't try to come spin you and lie to you or what have you. And sometimes I've looked at you and I've said... Chris, I get you. You're absolutely right. But don't they always do that? Why are we acting like this is foreign? That they're going to tell the truth. They're going to give spin. They're going to give the interpretation because they're about influencing a constituency, not necessarily about telling the truth
2: because their priority is remaining in I'm office. I'm okay with all that. What do you say? You get your own spin. Okay. You just don't get your own facts. Yep. And you don't get to impress people by saying, I know you asked me why I'm better. I'm just going to say the other guy sucks. I'm just going to say they're worse. Whatever you accuse me of, I'm going to say that uh, they, they did it worse. And here's what I ask people to think about. You don't apply that standard to anywhere else in your life. Nowhere. You would never apply it to how you deal with your kids. You know, uh-huh. why'd you get a 75? Hey, my my, my boy got a 68. What? What? Right. You know, we would never apply it there. Your spouse would never let you get away with it. Your boys would never let you get away with it. You know, your bosses would never let, but we allow it in politics. And that's the mistake. We got to start holding it to the same standard that we do everything else in our lives. And that's what regular people do.
0: This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline until I flatline. I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high?
1: A a couple of questions and then I'll let you get out of here because thank you so much for the time you've given me already. We've got midterms coming up in a month. We've got one side on the right. They're focused on crime. They're focused on the economy. um, They're focused on immigration. We've got the left. They're thinking about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, primarily. That's what you're thats what you seeing from the left, along with a bevy of other things as well. How concerned are you?
2: Do you find yourself being at this particular moment in time? I think that things are better than they're perceived because of our reliance on social media as a barometer. And social media is not um, reality. I was just looking at a recent study uh, that was a huge sample size. The number of people who see themselves as strong Democrat or strong Republican is less than 20% most people are center, left, or right. So the good news is we're not how it plays on cable TV and on social media. I don't think there's going to be a big wave. I think it's going to come down to some key races. I think that the right has bigger challenges, even though they have a historical advantage, right? The out party does well in first term, midterms um, for a president, right? So Biden's first set of elections should usually beat his beat him up. That's historically what happens. But they've made such extreme bets on a fringe. Now, the good news is the fringe comes out in midterms more than regular people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's the challenge for the Democrats. How do you get regular people who don't usually vote in the midterms to come out and care? That's Mm -hmm. their challenge. But the right has put itself in a worse position because they're all about fear. Every issue and position they have is about fear. They didn't even talk about making things better anymore. They just say, vote for me so I can fight against the guy who's going to make it worse. And I think that the challenge for Democrats and there's something that, you know, anybody who considers themselves a Democrat, who's listening to you, needs to ask themselves a question. And I'm going to get in trouble for this, but that's okay. The Democrats' proposition is we're better than they are. We're better. We're about making things better. Um, people like our policies more, you know, certainly when it comes to reproductive rights. The idea that the country's split on reproductive rights is not true. It's like 70-30 people believe women should have reproductive rights. You got over that's half right. the country is women. Um so that's not true that we're divided on that. And I think that the right is going to deal a little bit with the dog that caught the car syndrome, which is it was great to talk about getting rid of it, rallied the fringe, but now that you did it, you may pay a price. We'll see. Yes. But for Democrats, if you're better, why would it ever be the case that you put Democrat dollars into backing extreme right candidates in primaries?
1: Absolutely. Backing it really, Trump really is what bothers it had me. Had me. Uh, Oh, I hated it. I said, you know what? You've compromised yourself. Don't come to us ever again talking about what this country doesn't
2: need. And it got too little coverage because for good and bad reason. Are there a lot of lefties in the media? Yes. Is that absolutely a bad thing? No, because the media is set up to protect the little guy. And the left had been more about protecting the little guy until recently, where at least the rhetoric is now the right is talking about more the little guy than the left does. They have to deal with that also. but. They don't cover it because they're so concerned about all the lying and the divisiveness on the right that they don't police the left the same way. I think that's a mistake because people pick up on it. And I think that you should trust people. You don't have to shade shit for people. Trust them. Tell them how it is. Tell them how you see it. And that's what I want to have on my show. I want to have a lot more perspective from smart people who are watching what everybody else is watching, but they're not necessarily players in it. That's what I'm looking to do. That's And I'm going to go to breaking news, which we've gotten yeah. out of the business of because it's too expensive. That's why I went to Ukraine on my own. I would go right. to Ukraine. I would go to Iran. I will go to Jackson, Mississippi, mm. because this is crazy. A capital city doesn't well, have running water, and we, uh, nobody makes, goes there. Nobody talks makes, about it anymore.
1: Wow. Before I let you go, last question. I'm going to make a statement, and then I'm going to have a last question. Can I dunk?
2: Yes. Not that the way I used that. to be able to.
1: <laughs> I got you. Well, that's better than me with my knees, but I'll tell you this as it pertains to your brother yeah i want you to let him know i hope he's in office again i want him to run i don't want him to give up okay and i want you if you get an opportunity tell him i said so i want him to run again i want i'm talking about for the pres i'm talking about for the presidency of the united states i'm not talking about going back to the uh, you know to the governor seat in new york city i'm talking about for the presidency of the united states of america i would love to see your brother competing for that and going for that with that said here's my last question to you with everything that's transpired and as you reflect on everything that you've talked about and you've been through over the last few months and him as well, what do you see for him in the near future? And what should we see from
2: Chris Cuomo? Me, it's just trying to be my best and to appreciate the opportunity. You know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Um, Now that I've had a taste of that. And again, I'm not over-dramatizing it. I'm not a victim. I'm healthy. I'm good. I had some cash in the bank, not like I did before. But, you know, I was okay. But I value the opportunity in a way I didn't before. Uh, And so I think that that will be apparent to people. I mean, I always did the job full out. I I have a lot of critics. Nobody has ever said I don't work hard. Nobody has ever said that I don't go where where the, uh, the story is and stay there. But I'm different now. This changed me. I'm not even completely sure how in a lot of ways, because I'm not a great uh, introvert. I'm not I'm not a great self examiner and self reflector. I'm working on it, but I know I'm different. And everybody around me says um, that I'm different. Things don't bother me the same way anymore because my perspective has shifted. You know, I really only care about checking the big boxes. Is everybody healthy? Um, You know, is everything basically okay? Then everything else is gravy. Um, you know, and I wasn't like that before. I was more, I was more, uh, penny ante, I think for my brother, here's my problem with this. As a brother, I do not want him to listen to you. Um, I want him to make some money, enjoy his life, and not have to look over his shoulder every two seconds. Politics is in a bad place. Um, and, If he were a Republican, he'd probably still be in office. But his party's got rules and requirements and a dynamic in it that I don't know what it means for him. But I know that everybody who gets involved in that game right now bleeds. So as a brother, I feel like he's bled enough. He has this, in my opinion, and I say this to him all the time, it is almost irrational to me how driven he is to service. Him starting the pack, I was okay with that. He's starting a pack, he's got a big war chest. Money, money, money talks, good. You use it and fund people, I'm okay with that. Um, the gun thing, he and I don't see it the exact same way. I'm a gun owner, um, but he's been on it for 20 years. Uh, he believes certain things about capacity and power of different types of weapons and controlling how it goes. I, I, I'm not against having it so the right people uh, get weapons and not the wrong people, but I don't think it's as simple as any single fix. Right. Um, but I worry for him to get back into a business that's so ugly. You know, when you love somebody, you don't want to see him go into a place where every punch lands. Um, but that said, he's got more of you in him than me. Um, he is about service. Look, we just went out today, right? He came here to see me, mm-hmm. make sure I'm all right, show me what I was doing wrong in his car. God forbid he just say what I'm doing is good enough. But anything. <laughs> God forbid, right? right so right, uh, right, right. we didn't go out, get some coffee, get my son some breakfast. People are all over him. And I live in a very Republican place. The president won my community. Yes. Uh, the former president won my community. Yes. And... They were all over him. And, you know, he, I I get it. And and they say the same thing to him. I appreciate what you did for us. I appreciate what you did for us. You know, everybody's flawed. Everybody makes mistakes. He's owned his, uh, as much as anybody, in my opinion. But, and it has hurt him and he feels it as much as anybody I've ever been around in my life. A man has deep, deep feelings of disappointment, in shame, uh, and he wishes so much that he could do things differently. But that's life. Life is lived going forward. And when they say to him, thank you for what you did for us, thank you for the service, thank you for this, I see how in him it, it, it hurts him to hear it because he is disappointed in himself that he's not able to do it anymore. And as long as I've known him, that's all he's ever been about. That guy has never wanted to make money ever in his life. He got the same thing my father had. Only, you could get my father to do anything. You're like, hey, uh, do my podcast. He'd be like, Stephen A. Smith. I love him. I, I, I like that guy, man. He's always yelling. I like it. I like that he yelled. <laughs> um, and, and, he, and, he, and, he, and you'd say, yeah, yeah, we're going to pay you. X I don't, want, uh, no, I, don't, I don't want any money. Let me check my schedule. He had like an allergy to money. Andrew's the same way. Me, not so much. That's why I'm. That's why maybe I'm in this business, not in politics. But um, right. I think that you're probably right in your instincts about where his head is. But as a brother and somebody who loves him and has seen what he's gone through, and look, people can say, "I think he did this wrong. I think he did that wrong. I think you did this wrong. I think you did that wrong." Fine, it doesn't mean that the person that you're criticizing didn't feel pain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Somebody could be wrong and yeah. still suffer. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, people have to keep their mind open. That's why I love the name of your podcast. That's what I want to end on. No mercy, K-N-O-W. That's right. Lots of entendres, lots of labels. Why? Because that's one of my favorite words, by the way. Grace and mercy are my two favorite words. Why no mercy?
1: Because of what you explained, because sometimes mercy is required. Um, I think that we all make mistakes. None of us uh, can avoid avoid being flawed. We're all flawed flawed in the eyes of God. The question is, what are you going to do? Not just when you get yourself up, but when somebody has the compassion and the mercy to help lift you up from whatever abyss that you're in. When that happens, how much better can you be? How much better can you be for yourself? How much better can you be for your family? How much better can you be for society? It's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you so badly, because I wanted you to know, listen, regardless of the mistakes, you've done so much good. Don't forget it. Don't forget what you mean to so many people out here that you did so much for by speaking your truth and edifying and educating all of us. I walk out and I tackle certain issues and I have a certain belief. And then I listened to a Chris Cuomo and I say, wait a minute, I might need to rethink that. I might need to be a bit careful about that. I might not have all my ducks in order as it pertains to this. And I think about things along those lines. And you can say the same thing about your big brother. I remember reading him and he said the other day he called out. President Biden and Nancy Pelosi and and others and said they never called him and he didn't talk about whether they believed him or not or anything like that. He said they never called him before they wanted him gone. After years and years of knowing and my attitude is who can't relate to that? Who can't relate to having friends and loved ones and then the minute adversity hits all of a sudden they turn their back and they act like they don't know you. I can look you in the face if I knew Chris Cuomo and I'm friends with him. I could sit up there and say hey dude I wish you would have done this differently. I think you messed up here, but I got you and I'm here for you. Now let's do what we can to rectify the situation and march forward. I ain't going to let you lay down. I'm not going to let you lay down and wither
2: away. That's what no mercy is all about to me. And that's why I wanted that title. I think it's very powerful. I think it's purposeful. You know, you know, who's there, you know, when everything else is bad, family is there. Uh, If you're lucky enough to have it, a lot of people don't. And a lot of us make our own. I've done that. You know, people say, Oh, you're going to find out who your friends are. I know who my friends are (laughs) everybody I expected to be there for me. You know, you know, in our business, we got lots of different layers of relationships. That's right. Um, And this went exactly how I thought it was going to be in terms of how people in my life responded to me. That was never an issue uh, for me, but it's such a powerful Reminder, mercy and grace, especially for people who have faith, because we do not practice it. Christians are some of the nastiest people on social media. <laughs> That's right. self-proclaimed That's right. Christians. That's right. Um, and I think it's really important for you to remind. I, look, it's been a great reminder to me. The only thing I'll do definitely differently is I'm going to talk a lot more about my own fragility and my own struggles and what works for me and what doesn't. Right. Because I really do believe that it's the only way to push past the stigma in our society that like people see me and it's like, you know, there's a six 230 pound guy lifts weights. He's a self-defense instructor. This is what he does. This guy's tough. I struggle. I struggle with fear. I struggle with, with being able to be enough with living up to my responsibilities with making up for my mistakes And I don't think that makes me different than most people, but we don't talk about it. And I think it's a mistake. And I really believe that what you're doing here is a big, big ingredient in the stew that we all need to start cooking together to get us to a better place. Absolutely. And I'm 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 definitely going to need your help. And I'm
1: here to help you in any way that I possibly can. The Chris Cuomo Project. That's your podcast.
2: Obviously, you've got your new show on News Nation. I can't wait. I appreciate you. I need you. And I look forward to you helping me No mercy. This industry needs you, my brother. I'm always here for you whenever you need me. Thank you so much for being on.
1: This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts. Guess who's got a memoir coming out, ladies and gentlemen? Yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. It's entitled Straight Shooter, and it's available right now for pre-order. I have signed these books, just so you know. So you can visit straightshooterbook.com to order your autographed copy today. In the book, I talk about my life before ESPN, growing up in Hollis, Queens, New York, how sports proved to be my salvation. I talk about some of the mistakes I've made in my life and my impact on the world of sports. The book is called Straight Shooter, and it's written to help motivate you to overcome setbacks that may maybe prevent you from reaching your dreams. So go right now and order your autographed copy of my memoir, straightshooterbook.com. Don't wait. It's entitled Straight Shooter.
0: Check it out. Don't miss it.